Welcome in to this week's edition of the Duck Territory Podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is across the way. Hi, guys. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday morning. Uh, Oregon just wrapped up their second day of media availability, uh, final media availability of the week before Saturday's kickoff, uh, which is currently set for a 4 p.m. start on the Pac-12 Networks at Austin Stadium. Arizona Wildcats coming into this one. Uh, Wildcats are seven and three, five and two in the Pac-12. Uh, Oregon is five and five, two and five in the Pac-12. This is a critical game for Oregon for multiple reasons. Uh, one game away from from getting into a bowl, you know, getting eligible for a bowl game. Uh, Oregon still in contention. Uh, earlier this week, we talked about the possibilities of the bowls and where they could go. Um, Oregon is still kind of a possibility for the Sun Bowl, so they're you know they're, yeah. they're they're fighting for the best bowls that's out there that's possible. Uh, they want to get to a bowl game in general, second to last home game for these Oregon seniors, uh, and then on top of that, there's the elephant in the room. <laughs> it's Justin Herbert going to play, right? And and you know you mentioned the 4 p.m. kickoff time, and it sounds like we'll know one minute before that if what Willie Taggart and uh, I guess Coach Arroyo. Have said this week ends up being accurate. Uh, they both kind of said that they'll, let, they'll have make a decision at 3:59 p.m. and obviously it's kind of in jest, but I, it does seem like and maybe this is a little surprising. Like we talked about it prior to the, the press conference, maybe a little bit surprising that um, they didn't announce that Herbert would be the starter and are kind of once again sort of dragging this out until um, the very last second. Um, with that said, you understand you've got precautions and, and maybe it's a situation where. He is further away from being ready to go than, than we kind of had anticipated. Right. I think we've kind of all had circled the, the Arizona game as the game where, hey, this is when Herbert comes back is after a bye week. There's two games left. It's you know about the amount of time required to heal from the injury, at least given the timeline we'd heard when it went down. Um, but maybe there's a possibility it's taking longer to, to heal. I, I think having watched him in practice, though, I think I'd be surprised if that was the yeah. case. He looks great this week, and he, he looks... I don't want to say he's Justin of old, but he looks pretty close to Justin of old. Right. I, I, I think let's make our, our, our predictions here right away for yeah. whether he plays or not. Um, I asked Taggart Wednesday after at practice. Uh, I feel like a broken record because it's every every time we get speak with Taggart, um, we'll do it. But he said that there has been an update. He's better than what he was two days ago on Monday. All right. Uh, that he's really, really close is what he told me and the rest of the reporters that were there. Um, I think he plays. I think I think it's gamemanship right now from Taggart trying to make Arizona prepare for unlimited possibilities at quarterback. There's no way I, I, I see him not playing. No way. Game. Okay. You're probably slightly more confident than I am. I, I, I would agree. I, I would be surprised if he... Doesn't play, and frankly, it would feel like, gosh, this is like three straight weeks of Taggart kind of riling everybody up, and you know, especially during practice, he has, from what we've seen, taken practice snaps with the ones both times during the twenty to thirty minutes. This is the third straight week practice. now he's done it. True, and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like second straight week in a row where we've seen him take basically all the one the right. ones because he did that during the bye week, Correct. did that this week. Third week, he kind of flip-flopped between yeah, first Washington week. week, he was taking it with the ones. Utah week, I believe, was the first week he took practice reps at all and was mostly with the twos and threes. But, um, 
Yeah, it seems like it's trending to him playing, but like I said, <laughs> once Taggart comes out and says it, uh, I'll, I'll kind of wait to make a prediction, but I, I would expect he'll play, and obviously that completely changes the dynamic of this game. Uh, without Justin Herbert, I think we now have pretty good evidence, five-week sample size of what it looks like when Brax Supermeister is the quarterback, and I don't want to knock on him too hard, but clearly the offense isn't anywhere near what it was when Justin Herbert was running it. Um, just from a confidence level, you can tell that this offense is kind of going through some stuff. And I think you know, one of the things that I asked offensive players about on Tuesday was, you know, there was a lot of talk about when Herbert came back to practice, it provided a big confidence boost. and emotional boost and lift. And everybody basically said, yeah, if, if he came back, that would provide the same thing on a greater level because it would be, now we can throw the football again. You know, and then Jake Hansen kind of said that we have a passing attack again. And, now, you know that sounds like a slight to Braxton Burmeister, but, but the reality it's is the they, reality. They, have, they haven't had one with without Justin Herbert, Herbert in the lineup. So, um, ma- to me, massive change in, in kind of the outlook for Oregon this week if he does play. So much so that I think it looks like Vegas is waiting to release a line. Yeah, there's a pick em. It's yeah. it's. I think there's only two books that have come out and even released uh, a spread in general. Uh, they're both pick uh, Everyone else is waiting to see what the status is with Justin Herbert. So this might be one of those cases where we don't really get a, a true line until 30 minutes before the game starts because we'll have a clear indicator of who's starting during warm-ups, right. who's running with the first-team offense. is kind of an indication of yeah, who's Whoever's taking snaps to Jake Hansen has started every game this year. Yeah, in so um, in terms of a line perspective – we might not know anything until the very, very end of yeah. what, and that might not really give us a true indicator of what the line would be in general, anyways. So Oregon is definitely not a thirty-eight point favorite. No, like uh, I believe one one website accidentally posted on uh, on Sunday had Oregon opening as a thirty-eight point favorite. Not the case, and if it was the case, I think everybody should empty their bank accounts and, and drop yeah. Arizona to possibly come. <laughs> uh, and. This is just a game where I think you Herbert's in this. I think Oregon's going to win. Mm. If Herbert isn't playing, I can't see Arizona winning this game because Arizona's going to score yeah. 28 points at minimum. At minimum. Well, I mean, they're averaging 44, you know, and, and I think realistically this is a game where if Oregon is going to win it, they're going to need to score at least five touchdowns, I think. I mean, that's maybe being a little conservative. I think this is going to be a shootout. Arizona's going to score a lot of points regardless of who's playing quarterback for Oregon, but... Um, I think if you're, you're Oregon, you really you really do need Justin Herbert back in this game. And, and one thing to be aware of is, is this going to be Justin Herbert from from week one, two, three, and four, or is this going to be Justin Herbert with seven weeks removed from playing in a collegiate football game? And I think it's really easy to make him out to be the savior, and there's no question he's really talented. But I think I can see a scenario where he comes out, doesn't play very well, they don't win, and fans go, oh, he stinks too. Just just. Prepare yourself that it might not be, and I could be totally wrong. He'll come out and throw for 400 yards and be awesome. And I wouldn't be surprised at all because he looked great in practice, but he hasn't played in live game situation in well over a month. And I think you kind of have to be a little careful with the expectations uh, going into this one if he does, in fact, play. I think you, the biggest impact for a Herbert return for Oregon isn't through the passing game. I think it's through the running game because we've seen what Oregon has done the last five weeks without basically any kind of a threat downfield, vertical threat. I mean, everything Oregon's throwing is basically 10 yards and in. And And when it is deep, it hasn't been much of a threat. It's been an interception. Right. Uh, And when (laughs) 
so so defenses going into this offense without Herbert in have basically been able to say we're going to stack the box, we're going to play press coverage, and we're going to have three really secondary guys back there to defend the pass because we don't think you can <coughs> throw the ball downfield. I mean, there were there were plays uh, in the Utah game, I think, where Oregon had trips on one side of the field <laughs> and Utah had one defender out there. Yep. And that just tells you the ball you, doesn't go out. The there. ball doesn't go out there. Yeah. Um, that just kind of tells you what Oregon, and what I'm getting at is Oregon's running game has stayed about where it was at, mm-hmm. uh, prior to the injury and in terms of production. And so they're doing this with an obscene amount of uphill push. Yeah. Uh, and now you, you throw the threat of Herbert in there. Defenses aren't going to be able to, to stack the box like that. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Royce Freeman runs for over 200 yards the next two games. Uh, in each game. Well, I mean, and, and let's be honest here, the two defenses Oregon faces at the back end here are not the type of defenses they, they just faced. Utah right. and Washington are two of the best defenses in the Pac-12. Arizona, uh, I believe, is 10th overall in defense, uh, 12th against the pass, I think 6th against the run, and, and Oregon State is near the bottom, too. I think they're ninth overall. So these are not very good defenses Oregon is facing, and if Oregon is able to get Herbert back and kind of get him under in, in a rhythm and he plays at least 80% of what he's capable of, I think Oregon can put up some huge stats at the end of the season here. Um, and that kind of interesting segue to kind of to talking about, yes. to, to defending Khalil Tate is that what Arizona is doing is exactly what Oregon has been doing. They, they run it 70% of the time. They hardly ever throw it. Um, and it's just somehow, unlike what Oregon was able to do with Brax Burmeister, it's been incredibly successful. And that's just because they have, quite frankly, an unbelievable kind of maybe I don't know, every decade you see a talent like this come through the Pac-12 in terms of just, this guy's unbelievable running the football. I mean, how close do you feel like Tate is to the Lamar Jackson comparison? I mean, he should be the, I mean, I don't think he throws it quite as well, but he's a better runner. I mean, it's hard to dispute it. I think, legitimately, if he would have started all 12 games this season in the regular season... He, he could, could run for 2,000 yards. Exactly. <laughs> he's at 1,300 yards right now, and he started six or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and he didn't even play in one of the games. He's played. You know, he played a couple snaps. A he couple missed se- two games completely. Yeah. He and he still got like twelve hundred and something yards rushing and eleven touchdowns. It's pretty remarkable what he's done. And and like I said, they are very similar. What Arizona has done has been very similar to what Oregon has done without Herbert. In that they sh- they line up. Everybody knows what's going to happen. And yet Khalil Tate's off running for a seventy-five yard touchdown. It seems like every other every other play. So humongous challenge, I think. You know, talking to defensive players today, as you would expect, when you go against a player of this caliber, the, the questions were very, very much Khalil Tate-centric, and the responses were very, very complimentary of, of kind of what he presents as a challenge. You know, talking about how he's basically a third running back out there, and not only is he just a third running back, he's a very, very good third running back who has the ball every single snap. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for Oregon, they need to win win the downs on first and second down, mm-hmm. and they need to create yes. third and long situations. Um, and it's always going to have to be, you need to keep containment. That's always going to be a, a big deal. But Because uh, if, if he gets out of the out of the pocket and breaks Watch contain, out. then he's going to rip off the long 50-yard touchdown yeah. runs and, and what have you. But he's, he's an effective passer. But I wouldn't go out there and, and say that he's a guy that's, you know, He's going to beat you with his arm. You make him throw the ball 30 times in say, a game, and he's going to beat you. That's the stat. He's thrown it for 20, 20 times, just more than 20 times once this season, and that was against USC, and that's the one time he's lost. So if Oregon is able to make him rely more on the pass, 
then I think they have a pretty good shot. If he's throwing it 25 times a game, that means they're probably struggling to run it, and that's a good thing for Oregon. I mean, he, he completes 61% of his passes, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. but the, they're basically all low-risk throws. Mm-hmm. You know, RPOs, um, type stuff where he's on the run, on the move, outside of the pocket, and a linebacker gets in, in no-man's land, and that's to make a decision of, well, do I let Tate run the ball, or, <laughs> or do I come up and pressure him? And he right. comes up and pressures him. It's a, a simple loft right over the linebacker for a pass. Yeah. Um, but when you make him stay in the pocket and throw the football, his impact drastically drops. Mm-hmm. And he's thrown six interceptions in six games to just eight touchdown passes. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be the trick. And that's going to be the biggest question in, the, in this game. Can Oregon win on first and second down, set up third and longs, and then there's a lot of ands, and then be able to go and keep contained and make him stay in the pocket and throw the ball. I think another thing, there's another here's another and for you, but I think another thing is the games where he's put up huge running numbers, it's with them playing with the lead. Yes. And the time where they threw the ball a lot was against USC. They got down, they needed to score a lot of points, and they actually had a big comeback, tied it in the fourth quarter, and then lost by, I think, two scores, but... If I think if Oregon is able to get their offense rolling early, if Justin Herbert does play, and they come down, and if Oregon gets a 10, 14-point lead in the first quarter or something like that, and you make them feel like, hey, we've we got to press, we can't just run, 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 that makes him, once again, be forced to throw the football a little bit more and, and you know probably creates opportunities for turnovers because, like we said, six interceptions to eight touchdowns not a great stat. Also, slightly fumble-prone. I think he has like four or five lost in those in those games. So um, he's a guy that could turn it over a little bit, I think, if he's, if he's forced to feel like he has to do a lot, which obviously he does a ton, but I mean, if he's asked to do more than he probably is comfortable with. I would also argue that I don't think Arizona's defense is all that impressive. Um and that's kind of what I – mean, they're a lot like what Oregon was in the early Chip Kelly days. The 2010 defense is pretty good for Oregon. The 2012 defense is pretty good. Uh, the 13 defense is pretty good. But there were a lot of times where Oregon – they dominated teams and they'd win 56-17. to 17, But it was because they literally scored three straight touchdowns and the next thing you know that their opponent has to throw the ball again. Right. And that's what's, that's kind of what Arizona's mindset is. And you made a great point of, if Oregon can just go out and get a stop, you know, if Arizona start, starts with the ball, get a stop, score a touch, and then you get the ball back, you go down and you score, and you can get, you can, you know, prevent a field goal, allow a field goal, or get another stop mm-hmm. and score another touchdown again, and you're up 14 to 3 or, or 14 to nothing. Well, no lead is safe at that point. You've kind of changed the way Arizona is going to have to operate because they just can't rely on run, 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 and they're going to have to start throwing the ball. And, and I, Oregon's secondary, I think, going into this game, probably has to feel pretty confident in their abilities to cover and make plays. I, I would agree with that. And, and kind of just now talking for a second about that Arizona defense, I would, looked at the numbers. It's kind of interesting. They're leading tackler. Leading player with tackles for loss, leading staff leader in sacks and leader in interceptions and pass breakup, all true freshmen. Jesus. So this is a this is a defense that is very dependent on young players, which is why I do think if Oregon is at full capacity, I remember when Justin Herbert was running this offense, they averaged about fifty points a game, were leading the country in scoring, is very capable of just ripping apart a, a very young Arizona defense. 
One storyline that I'm sure we should mention briefly here is one of those true freshmen. Colin Schooler. Colin Schooler, younger brother of Brendan Schooler, um, a guy that Oregon probably wishes they would have offered. I mean, they, probably. T- they ended up taking a number of Arizona commits. This is a guy that they probably wish. Boy, if, sure. we could have, if we could have if we could have flipped any of these guys, maybe this is the guy they would have because he's been um, really, really, really good as a true freshman inside linebacker. Uh, just a couple stats to look at here. Arizona's uh, total yards per game allowed. Their total defense is in the 110s. Yeah, um, not great. Obviously, I, I don't like using total total yards as a as a clear indicator. Um, the yards per play though is 5.85, 85th in the country. Uh, very average. A very average number. Um, and, and for perspective, uh, Oregon's is 41st at 5.27. And, and quite honestly, that number is kind of now inflated because of Oregon's inability to sustain drives offensively and a defense has just been out there. And it's also inflated because Arizona had, or sorry, Washington a couple weeks ago had like five huge 50 yard plays on it. Right. That, that kind of pushed that number up as well. Um, and then you, you, you look at Arizona's, uh, points allowed per game. Uh, they're 31.9, which is 99th in, in, in the country. You you look at their uh, rushing uh, yards allowed, 166. You know they're actually decent in this one, uh, 66th in the country. Uh, but again, you know they're not this juggernaut no, type of a team. No, this is this is a very average to below average defense with a lot of true freshman playing. And then on, and then finally for their passing statistics. They're the 125th worst passing defense in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's going to be plays to be made yep. here. It's just can Oregon execute and can they kind of get some separation? It's almost going to be feels like to me a game where this is going to be a shootout. Who can get three stops? I, I would agree with that. I think you know we'll do our predictions in a minute here, but I think if Justin Herbert is healthy and plays and plays to the, the level we think he's capable of, this game might be one in the the low 50s or high 40s just because I think both offenses are really, really good and are going to have some big plays. And I think, frankly, it's going to be really hard for either defense to consistently stop these offenses if they're working at full at full you know, throttle. Uh, before we go into our keys, we'll each throw out one of our keys for the game and um, our, our predictions. We, we should talk about, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Oh, the recruiting. The recruiting stuff. <laughs> um I'm just confused about the saltiness that's coming out of Arizona. Um, the quotes that we see on Twitter and on the, the media identities that cover uh, Arizona football down in Tucson, I am just blown away at this stuff. And, and, you know, look, maybe I don't have a great pulse of Arizona football. I, I will completely agree. You know, my focus is on – Your pulse is better in Oregon than Arizona. On Oregon. Right, yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I don't know – a whole bunch of the backstory on a bunch of guys and, you know, maybe there's stuff we just missed. I don't know. But this week was, it was brought up at, at, at Monday on Willie Taggart's press conference about his relationship with Rich Rodriguez following four guys that he flipped. Those four are Braxton Burmeister, Austin Fialo, two freshmen who basically started uh, over half the games this season for the Ducks. Austin Fialo was a true freshman defensive tackle, and Brad Burmeister's the quarterback. Uh, Oregon also flipped Darian McNeil, a, a true freshman receiver who has played this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's Cody Shear, the, the, the local kid from Eugene, who was committed to Arizona and on signing day literally got a scholarship offer from Oregon and flipped over to the Ducks as well. Um, going down and reading what's, being com- what's been coming out of Tucson, um, they're making a huge deal. You get a huge deal about this. Yeah. 
Uh, Sean Brown, a U of A receiver, said it is what it is, man. You'll see Arizona offer a guy, and then out of the blue, a couple hours later, Oregon will offer him. You'll be like, what? You know our coach is pretty mad about that, but it is what it is. If you know that, if that's how they do things, we recruit good, and I'm proud of our coaching staff and the way they do things. Um, this is all courtesy of uh, Michael Lev, the Arizona Daily Star. I saw, um, I saw another one right before we went on here from I think is Tony Fields. I think it's a yeah. true freshman leading tackler who said that he was supposed to. Room with Braxton Burmeister and, and Burmeister never let him know that he was going to Oregon and he's pretty fired up. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something that's like, oh, I'm, I've got something to show him on Saturday. So yeah, there seems to be all this built up animosity. I just don't get, I mean, which I don't, I mean, cause look, rec- it sucks when you commit all these hours to recruiting somebody, he gives you a commitment and then chooses another school. But like Coach Taggart said on Monday, ultimately it's got to be the recruit's decision. Yeah. And, Look, these kids, everybody recruits kids that are committed. Arizona just offered a kid that was committed to Colorado State, and he'll probably commit to the Wildcats. I mean, this happens everywhere across the board, and so it sucks for, I understand for Arizona that. I mean, maybe it, was, it got magnified because it's four, four guys. Right, because if it was one guy, maybe it wouldn't be a big thing, but you had a guy, Cody Shears, basically begging for an Oregon offer. It wasn't like. And it, and it wasn't like a couple weeks. This was a deal where he'd been, he'd been begging for an offer from Oregon. For months. Oh yeah, Since, and he would yeah, growing up in Eugene. So, yeah, it's it's it is interesting. It's become a big thing. And, and on the Oregon side, Taggart's like, oh, I don't think there's any hard feelings. I don't think there's any animosity or bad blood. So clearly, this feels like it's it's become a built up storyline in Arizona, probably just to kind of build up the uh-huh. emotion and the hype and the momentum of the game. But I think either we're in agreement. It's kind of strange because kids win and lose recruiting battles all the time. You don't see. Willie Taggart come out and when they, if they played USC and go like, man, the Trojans, they should beat us for all these recruits. We're going to go show them. No, they lost the recruiting battle and, and they deal with it and they have the guys they have and, and USC has the guys they have. And in this situation, Arizona has a lot of good true freshmen. They're playing a lot of true freshmen and young guys. Okay. You lost a couple of recruiting battles. Would Braxton Burmeister played for you this year? Probably not. Would Austin Fialu? Probably. Probably, but the other guys, I don't know how many of those guys see the field. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of these just weird deals where it's broad. I mean, everywhere it happens. If you're not recruiting and you're not talk, you're not at least going and, and having discussion and trying to generate discussion, especially if you're new, right. like Taggart was. They had, to, they had to build a class. They had to build a class, and they needed a quarterback. And unfortunately for Arizona, you know, they got Burmeister, but he wasn't the only guy. That they went out and tried to, to talk to. I mean, they they talked with um, Tua Tagovailoa, who was at the time committed to Alabama. Um, you know, they had a lot of guys at multiple positions yeah. that they were recruiting and were committed at at, at some point in time. And you know, I just it, it's strange it, it, the I, the idea that and you made a great point. I didn't even realize it that they had offered a guy. You know, yeah, just yesterday. Yesterday, that's currently committed. committed to Colorado State. Yeah. Like, pot meat kettle? Yeah, I right, mean, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand it. And again, the context of this is Taggart comes into town. He's got two months to build a recruiting class. They only have a handful of guys committed. Maybe more than that, a couple handfuls of guys committed. They're looking to fill roster spots because you look at the team, there's a lot of holes. And they go out and they find a quarterback, which obviously they needed because Burmeister's played this year. Probably earlier than they would have liked. They needed receivers. They got Darian McNeil. They needed interior linemen. They went and got Fialo. And, and I think Cody Shear was probably more of a situation. This kid really, really, really wanted to be at Oregon, and you kind of honor that. I don't know if they needed an interior lineman as bad, but three guys that they really needed to fill position-wise, 
They go out there. It just so happens those guys are committed to another school. And let, let's be honest, these guys picked Oregon. It wasn't like right. Oregon, you know, forced their hand here. These guys, it probably if Oregon had offered them two months earlier, would have picked Oregon then. So, it, I, yeah, I think it's becoming this big storyline, and I'm sure regardless of the outcome of the game, and especially if, if Arizona does win the game, they're going to make a big deal about how, yeah, we, we got them we back. We got them. We yes. got them back for, for out-recruiting us. So it's like, okay. It's like, great. Everyone else is doing this as well. Yeah. Um, let's segue into kind of our keys to this game. Um, I'll go first, and I'll, I will stick with the offensive side of the football okay. for this one. Um, I, I look at it as I'm assuming Herbert's playing. Okay. Um, and it it's gonna be pretty simple. Make the simple plays. I mean, I sound like I'm talking basketball here. Dan Altman. Dan Altman. Altman. Um, but Oregon can't get cute. They can't get tricky. Yeah. You know, they can't afford to make turnovers. And because the more snaps you give to Khalil Tate, the worse it's gonna be for you. And Oregon's got to be able to play clean football. And they've got to make the simple plays. And they've got to be able to sustain drives, making and it all wraps up into one thing. You, you, you got to make the blocks. You can't can't put yourself in a situation where you're facing a second and nine or a second and ten, uh, which puts you then possibly into a third third and eight, third and nine type mm-hmm. stuff. Um, you need to do the simple stuff. Be good at the simple stuff because this defense at Arizona, simple, you know, be good at the, at the things that you're good at and execute those things. That's good enough to win this game, at least on the offensive side of the football. I think for mine, looking at Khalil Tate, it's not okay that we're going to hold him to like 50 yards because that doesn't seem all that attainable, but it's limit those big plays. I think he's had a, a touchdown run of 54 yards or more in every start, which is pretty ridiculous That's if ridiculous. you think about it. I mean, he's got like, I think, five 70-yard touchdown runs um, or more so far. So if you can eliminate those, those are huge momentum-shifting plays oftentimes. I mean, if you, you have to team peg deep in their own territory and then suddenly they run for a touchdown. So... Eliminating those is big, um, and, and like I said, I don't think you're going to hold him to, you know, totally bottle him up. He's going to—he's a great player. He's going to make some big plays, but if you can just eliminate those, those 75-yard touchdowns, and certainly, if you, you want to bend but don't break, exactly. Certainly, you'd be better off if he's getting 10-yard runs. You'll live with that. You just don't want him to be all of a sudden you look up and he's running, you know, on, down the sideline for for a touchdown. Uh, going to these predictions now. Um, I think Oregon's going to win. Uh, I, I think the Ducks are going to get to bowl eligibility this weekend. I'm anticipating that it's going to be, though, a crazy up and down shootout. I think both teams are going to score above 35 points. Um, I think the over under is going to hit over 80 in, in this game. And I've got Oregon winning 45, Arizona winning, uh, 40. We're kind of we're in the same range there. That's kind of what I was thinking somewhere along those lines. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. I would be surprised, frankly, if the winner is scoring less than forty points. I think just given how these teams operate, I mean, Arizona's averaging forty-four a game. Oregon with Herbert averaged about fifty. Obviously, it hasn't been anywhere near that number since. But um, I'll, I'll say Oregon wins forty-nine, forty-five, and again, like a, a almost a hundred point combined score. Um, where where both teams are, are highly competitive and, and, and Oregon maybe drives for a, a game when he touched on at the end of the game because I, I do think this is going to be a highly competitive game and um, you, when you have two 
quarterbacks that will knock on wood again if Justin Herbert is healthy that are of this caliber, it's hard to expect defenses to, to hold them below, you know, six, seven touchdowns. And we're operating under the assumption that Herbert does play. Um, if he does not. Do you want to give predictions? If we, I, I, I won't give a, an exact prediction, but I think it'll be something like a 56 to 14. I, I just, I don't think Oregon's offense will be able to sustain enough drives. Yeah. Uh, to keep Arizona off the field, and there's going to be a couple extra points scored uh, by the Wildcats because of more possessions. How having more possessions, Oregon's defense being more tired because the offense can't sustain drives and, and give them rest. So if he doesn't play, it's going to be an ugly loss, I think, for Oregon. I would. I, I, I'm not going to make a score prediction, but I, if, if if they are without Justin Herbert again, I don't see them winning. I think that's a pretty easy prediction. I mean, it's just mind-boggling this whole season. We say it every week uh, after every game, going into every single game, just how important one guy. Yeah. I mean, football is a team sport. It is the old, It is the sport where you are only as good as your weakest player. And in basketball, you can literally win a conference championship. You can literally win a national championship because of one or maybe two guys mm-hmm. on your team. And usually that doesn't play out in football. Um, usually you've got guys that can cover up and make, you know, make improvements and carry the team for a couple extra wins. But literally this football team is like a basketball team. One player is so important yeah. for Oregon and, and it's, it's night and day. It's a team that in my mind could win eight or nine games if they were healthy with Herbert the entire way. Whereas now they're fighting for five, six or seven wins uh, at the end of the season. So, um, that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the Duck Territory Podcast. Uh, Eric and I are on iTunes. We are free. You can listen to us there. Uh, you can also listen to us on DuckTerritory.com. We'll have the link posted up there. Also, follow us on Facebook. Um, go to Facebook.com slash Oregon 247. Uh, we do our, our all our podcasts. We do Facebook Lives on Facebook as well. Um, and you're able to interact with us throughout the show. Uh, as we're recording and then uh, it's a great spot for you to, to join the discussion as well as DuckTerritory.com um, there as well so until we talk to you following Oregon's game against the Arizona Wildcats we will be breaking down a win or a loss full eligibility or not uh, we look forward to, to talking to you guys soon thanks guys see you guys